0: Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly forecast for the week of November 11th through the 17th. Um, a lot of astrology to get to this week, uh, like we do every week. But we've got some pretty, pretty big landmarks uh, <clears throat> that we're going to be hitting this week, including Mercury's um, inferior conjunction. Um, it's it's Kazemi with the Sun, where the where Mercury comes into alignment with the sun and begins an entire new Mercury cycle uh, that will last for many months. So it's kind of a big deal. Um, also seeing some kind of a mercurial type eclipse with the sun as well, transiting over across of the face. I think it's visible, um, which is not always a, um, a common occurrence. So it sounds like there's going to be some big, some big stuff going on uh, at the beginning of this week um, to pay attention to. We also have a full moon uh, in Taurus. Uh, with the opposition of the sun in Scorpio and the moon in Taurus. So that'll be interesting. We'll discuss that. <clears throat> a couple other non-lunar aspects. Uh, Mars is going to be sextiling Jupiter um, from Libra to Sagittarius on Tuesday. And then we've got a couple couple aspects with Mercury on Wednesday with Mercury retrograde. Sextiling Saturn, um, trining a retrograde Neptune. And then the Sun will be making its own sextile to Pluto. Uh, and then the last um, the last uh, non-lunar aspect we've got is Venus making a square to, to Neptune on Thursday as well. Um, couple different planetary decans we're going to be dealing with. The Sun is moving into the third decan of Scorpio, which is represented by the Seven of Cups, and we'll talk about that. And then um, Venus is going to be moving into Sagittarius two. Ten to 20 degrees Sagittarius, which is represented by the nine of wands. So some interesting things to get to. Uh, essential dignities for the week. Um, so the sun will be moving through um, Scorpio 2, where it has Deccan, uh, Deccan rulership, or a rulership by face or Deccan. Sorry I'll try to spit my words out here today. Um, and then when it moves into Scorpio 3 it doesn 't necessarily have any dignity, so it's it 's losing some dignity. Uh, its ruler, Mars is still in exile um, in in Libra, which is not a comfortable position for Mars, and it is also in aversion now to its host, which means it is one one sign away from it or in a blind spot so it 's very difficult for Mars to provide for the sun this week. Um, Mar- Mars itself is going to be moving through its own terms. Uh, between 28 and 30 degrees of Libra. So that does give Mars a little bit of dignity, which means that it'll have a little bit of an ability to to take more action or to be able to set its own rules or curriculum. Um, But still, not a super happy Mars. Um, Let's look a little bit at at this Seven of Cups here where we're seeing um, the Sun entering into. Now, the third decan of scorpio is a venus ruled decan so there's going to be some some stuff going on with a a little bit of a venusian color or a venereal coloration to to our solar significations Um, you can see in this card we have a figure that is uh, being presented with many different choices and options perhaps they are floating in on the cloud of illusion um, we have the, the choice for the pursuit of riches, the pursuit of fame, the pursuit of power, the pursuit of vanity, um, the pursuit of like, oh, I don't know, a stable home or something like that. Lots of temptations. Uh, and uh, this may be part of the themes that we're working through in Scorpio 3 is, is how do we parse through our desires, uh, you know, the types of things that we want and how we are going to be um, manifesting them, and and what kind of choice are we going to make when we're presented with all these different options? And you know, sometimes uh, th- it may be releasing the desire for all these things too. I think Scorpio is that kind of releasing quality, right? Where we're kind of coming to terms with, um, you know, the the inner inner direction uh, that the uh, the inner focus of Mars, the the nocturnal type of Mars, right? Where we're kind of, um, you know, it's kind of that fall experience where we are letting go of things. The leaves are falling from the trees. We're kind of getting a, a, a feeling of slowing down, of composting the things that we've learned over the cycle. And perhaps this is a time where many of the choices that we may have been experiencing, we're you know, they're coming either to fruition or we're having to let go of some of the, the other options, right? I think this could be a, a, something that speaks to having some, uh, you know, many different options, but we can't pursue every path. And uh, I think that that may be one of the things that we're looking at here too. Now, when we bring Venus into the mix here, Venus is going to be moving into the second decan of Sagittarius, which we can see associated with this nine of wands. Now, when we have the Nine of Wands, you can see a figure that is, you know, uh, holding one of the stabs or wands. Of course, the wands were associated with the fire triplicity, uh, the cups with water. So we've got a water-fire kind of balance that's happening here. And um, this this figure seems to be uh, either preparing or recovering from a battle. Um, he, he seems to be in a position, like almost like a power position, where he's like, maybe he's taken... Uh, an injury but he's he's ready to keep on fighting or defending his territory or his turf um, and there's some themes of of the the hunter as well with Sagittarius in general we've got the the bow and arrow of the of the centaur um, of the archer, and perhaps Venus is taking on more of a an ability to um, pursue some of the things or the desires that it wants. It may even be where we're manifesting. Uh, one of these particular things, this full moon uh, is going to be in a very fertile sign of Taurus. And we, maybe we're finally finding the earthly container with the Taurus moon for some of the desires that we've been, you know, uh, experiencing internally. And in some of the dreams that we've been having, and they may actually start to take form um, perhaps as early as Tuesday when we're starting to see the, the full moon. Um, that is an exalted moon too. If we're talking about dignities here, the moon is exalted in Taurus, where uh, the moon has honors. There is an uh, a, an ability to be honored for the work that has has been done. It's a very fertile area of the zodiac where we're. Um, you know, I believe that it's been described uh, <laughs> in a word that was taught to me by Austin Coppock in his in his his wonderful work, uh, fecundity, um, which is you know the 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 field that is ready to be seeded, or or plowed, or it's been plowed and it's ready for the seed to be planted, and it's it's got this fertility and there's this um, you know great support for some of the seeded dreams that we we may have had. So think about that, where we may be seeing the the combination of desire, Mars, and receptivity, uh, with an earthly container, the Venus ruled Moon in Taurus. Okay. Um, Jupiter is still in its own domicile uh, in Sagittarius three it has triplicity by the night, so it is has the resources it needs it it, it has the wind in its sails uh, in the evening um, and we're seeing we're moving through the last weeks here of Jupiter and Sagittarius before it changes signs and and loses quite a bit of dignity as it moves into its fall in this in the Saturnian sign of Capricorn so uh the jupiter things are very well supported for the next few weeks but they may be a little bit more difficult to to manifest or the rules are going to be changing um now we've got all this hope optimism um, motion um you know we know what the dream is and we're we're, you know thinking about the sacrifices that may be necessary to to achieve it well when jupiter moves into a saturnian sign um get ready to work harder for that progress Um, progress may have felt you know, not necessarily easy, but we, we're still feeling that forward motion with Jupiter and Sagittarius. And, it, and I think it's going to slow down a little bit and we're going to be um, working within some limitations and growing within some limitations. So be prepared for that. I believe that Jupiter moves into Capricorn around the first week of December. Okay. Speaking of our our old man, Saturn... Uh, he is still in the second decan of Capricorn, um, which is the uh, ruled by the card, the three of pentacles. And in that card, we have observed over the course of our different video explorations, um, a blueprint, um, figures that are uh, making a plan, that are, are thinking about how to build for the long term. And this may be something that, that we're still experiencing that is very strongly supported in the Capricorn uh, area of your chart. Um, again, I encourage you to look at the your whole sign um, natal chart and see which house is being activated uh, with these different planetary placements. Um, the Sagittarian rule area of your chart is getting a, a boost of optimism and hope, and bridge building and abundant support. The Capricorn area of your chart is getting a reality check and is getting support from Saturn to to. Uh, work within the limits that you've been given it's giving you the limits but it's also giving you the perseverance and the ability to endure some of those limitations and like i said jupiter is going to be hanging out with his buddy (laughs) his buddy quote-unquote saturn um for you know for about a year so like jupiter transits are roughly a year and some and some change and um That's going to be what a lot of what 2020 is going to be about is that Jupiter and Capricorn and Saturn conjoining Pluto and um, Saturn moving through the end of Capricorn itself. Um, Okay, the other planet that we have, uh, non-lunar planet, uh, is Mercury, which is still retrograde. Uh, It is in its own terms this week, 11 to 19 degrees of Scorpio. Mercury has rulership by term or bound. That's a similar name for the same thing where Mercury is getting to set the curriculum like a middle school teacher um, for our communications, for our, you know, ability to promote ourselves in a, in a, in a way as a merchant may. Or, um, you know, in our ability to parse things out in our intellect, um, Mercury is slowing Okay, it's very slow right now. We have a very slow Mercury. So we have to, you can see like sometimes when I do these videos, I'm like jabbering away. Today, it's like like a, oh man, it's like a Herculean effort to get the words out of my mouth. And I'm going to credit Mercury with with that today. Um, So this is kind of how it goes. You know, you're fighting through layers and layers of, uh, I don't know, emotion, of fatigue, of lethargy, to even just get the words out of your mouth. Um, <clears throat> so forgive me for that, and we'll do the best that we can, right? Uh, but yes, Mercury is slowing down. Um, this Mercury is is coming. Um, they compared it in the Hellenistic text to a, uh, a person taking to their sick bed when they were coming under the beams of the sun and becoming closer and closer to the the, the furnace of rebirth um, mercury will get a boost it will get like a renewal uh, when it when it goes into the heart of the Sun on Monday 1111 11, which is I mean, seems like a very auspicious date if you're into that kind of thing there's some new age theories that say 1111 11 is the universe saying yes you know and, and the opening of the channel I mean you can see that the the uh, symbol itself is kind of, uh, you know, looks like an open channel, so to speak. Like you can see the, the, the two things kind of, you know, with something coming through it. Um, so really pay attention to what is going on uh, on Monday. Um, before I get to that, and I'll, I'll, I'll expand on that a little bit, let's just talk about the moon real quick before we get past our essential dignity report, our roundabout essential dignity report. The moon's going to start off exalted in Taurus, um, it'll have triplicity in the nighttime. Um, The moon is the ruler, uh, the triplicity ruler of the nocturnal, in in the night, of the earth signs by night. Um, It it has dignity by face uh, between 10 and 20 degrees, or the second decan of Taurus, so it's extra fertile around that period of time. The moon will be peregrine when it moves through Gemini, uh, which is said to be wandering or without dignity. Uh, When it moves into cancer, it will gain dignity by domicile and and have access to all its own resources of nurturing and of being able to manifest things into form and fertility. And it will also have dignity by face because it is the um, decanic ruler of the third decan of cancer at 20 to 30 degrees cancer. And then at the very tail end of the week, it'll move into Leo where it is peregrine again. Okay, so moving forward to Monday. We're going to start off on a gibbous phase, and a gibbous phase is the lead up to the full moon. It's the the you know the, the one of the eightfold phases. Um, if you look at Dane Rudyard and Dimitri George, they talk about this this eightfold division of the moon, and each I believe each um, believe each phase is roughly forty five degrees. And this gibbous phase goes you know up from you know one one thirty five to one hundred and eighty degrees. Before that opposition, right? Um, so we're going to be seeing the the lead up on Monday. The moon is going to be falling under the bond. Um, this is another uh, Hellenistic technique that we talk about, where the moon is weakened by being uh, within fifteen degrees of this of either a conjunction with the sun or an opposition with the sun. So this is something that we are, you know, feeling where the moon is going to feel a little weakened. Um, this is a uh, it's called su- what was my note there? Sun Desmos. I believe that's the the Greek word. Um, I could be wrong. My writing is super small, and like I said, my brain is working um, mercurially slow <laughs> right now. Uh, but we're going to be seeing the, the first aspect of the day is the moon making a conjunction to retrograde Uranus. Um, let me actually share my screen here so you can see these things happening okay so here we go this is monday and we're going to be checking out this moon as making its uh conjunction with uranus at about four degrees so that's the very very early hours of of monday you know we're probably feeling that at the end of sunday here I'm recording this on sunday uh, the the 10th and um you know we're going to be getting that little that little jolt of electricity that we've been getting when when the moon makes contacts with Uranus, so, you know some kind of um, new form is trying to take shape, some kind of uh, disruption to our material containers and our routines and our resources is being triggered Sunday night, and, and we're trying to kind of parse all that out, and that's going to be part of this full moon that we're experiencing because anytime we have a lunation now um, with Taurus involved we're gonna have Uranus be excuse me be a part of it and remember that the moon started its new moon cycle in Scorpio conjoining at about four degrees of Scorpio opposite Uranus so we may see something triggered from that new moon coming into fruition late Sunday evening and early into Monday morning of this week. Okay. Uh, the real big news of Monday, though, besides all that, is that we're having the conjunction, you can see this here, of Mercury and the Sun. Okay. I'm going to annotate this and see if it'll let me do this. Hold on. Let me make sure I get it. There we go. There it is. I went too far, okay? So at about 18 degrees, we're gonna see uh, Mercury being exactly conjoined to the Sun. Um, And this happens in, uh, as Mercury is going retrograde. This is called the inferior conjunction of Mercury and the Sun. Now, because Mercury and Venus uh, have, have fairly regular uh, retrograde cycles. They will approach a Kazemi with the sun from the inferior position, okay? Coming in from primary motion, okay? And uh, they will be also making an approach um, from this direction, which is the secondary motion when they are direct, okay? So that's called the superior, superior conjunction. They make a conjunction as morning stars during the superior Conjunction and has evening stars from the inferior conjunction. Now there are some authors that have arguments on this, but most of the authors that I've read believe that the inferior conjunction of the inferior planets, being Mercury and Venus, okay, uh, the superior planets are. This is outside the orbit of the Sun from our perspective, um, and the inferior planets are the ones inside the perspective of the Sun from our our perspective, or the orbit of the sun, sorry. Um, the inferior conjunction is said to be the beginning of a new cycle from many of the authors that that I've been reading, including Demetra George. And so this is an important, a very important day. Um, I don't follow the news a ton, uh, but even I am aware that there may be uh, some pretty important things going on in our government, um, beginning on Monday. Uh, I believe it may be the, the very beginnings of the official impeachment proceedings um, of President Donald Trump. So uh, that seems to be a pretty significant uh, omen in the sky of some kind of initiation of some kind of cycle. Now, the last inferior conjunction that we had was on July 21st at 28 degrees Cancer. So, if you want to kind of test this out, review your chart and look at the Cancerian area of your chart, um, if you know by whole house, and see if if over the last uh, four four months or so you had some kind of mercurial experience through that particular area, and um, what was began, what did you just resolve? Uh, over the last few weeks what what was coming to an ending over the last few weeks? Um, I know that like if I just share a, a little an- anecdote um, my my daughter just ended her high school swimming season, and she was starting to get kind of involved in that season at the end of July and uh, all of the the um, stuff that may have been manifesting through that. Uh, she had her final meet with the high school team um, this past weekend this is another reason I'm dragging today I've been uh, inundated with screaming s- swimmers and parents for two days in a row and being slightly introverted uh, it's fairly draining um, but it's fun it was definitely fun and she did really well and I'm super proud of her her efforts and she's doing really good so um but now we're beginning a new cycle. So you see how like, that's just a small example of, of, a, of a cycle that began at a, at a conjunction and then the completion of it as we're moving forward. So look in the area of your life where that may be happening and see, look in the Scorpio ruled area of your chart now to start to get an idea of what kind of cycle you may be initiating for the next few months. Um, because this is going to be important. We're going to have another retrograde happening um, around February. Uh, so this is this is something that's going to last from now until probably the end of February, beginning of March, this, this new mercurial cycle. There will be another um, conjunction of Mercury and the Sun in between that time, the superior conjunction, um, but uh, not for a while. At least I think there will be. I didn't take notes on that. Don't hold me to that, but that seems to be, let's take, let's take a look. Look, we've got this beautiful (laughs) program in front of us. That's one of those days, folks. I'm doing my best here. Okay. So let's actually look and see a few months from now when this will happen again. Okay. So we've got, yeah. So here's our superior conjunction happening in January. Okay, and that's going to be January 10th. Oh boy, man, there's a lot going on that day. So there, yeah, on January 10th, we're going to see the superior conjunction in Capricorn, 18 degrees Capricorn. That's the same day that we have roughly the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Um, And it's also very close to a full moon eclipse that happens roughly two or three days later so <laughs> lots of astrology in the first or second week of january hold on to your britches folks <laughs> That's, um but whatever you start now may have another um kind of peak moment around the first or second week of january and then it's going to be coming to a close that cycle is going to start coming to a close um let's let's take a look you well, this is the beauty of having this kind of thing here um let's look we've got now you can see here see the retrograde um happening whenever the planet in my chart is in red it's retrograde so we have a retrograde mercury that's making its inferior conjunction again on february 25th roughly okay so this cycle goes from 11 11 to February 25th, with a sort of full moon-ish type of experience in the beginning of January. So you can think of this sort of like the lunar cycle where we're experiencing the new moon of Mercury, quote unquote, um, on Monday. And it's going to culminate at a full moon of sorts around the beginning of January. And then it's going to be waning to the next new moon type of cycle uh, at the end of February. Okay. Does that make sense? Uh, kind of neat, kind of neat to track these through, through, the, um, through the weeks and the months and things like that, okay? All right, so what does that mean, though? Well, it means that all of the, the, the old things that we were carrying with us through the previous mercurial cycle um, from the 21st of July are being burned away in the furnace or the flames of the sun and being reborn. So this is definitely a period of rebirth for our Mercury and for uh, everything that it signifies. You know, don't, don't just think about this as the Scorpio part of your chart, although that's where a lot of it will play out. Um, look at the Virgo-ruled area of your chart and the Gemini-ruled area of your chart because Mercury is providing for both of those houses from this position in Scorpio. So uh, those two things will be connected. It'll be important to see what kind of things come up and and recognize that those themes are going to interconnect. So for example, just on my chart here, I have a Pisces rising on this chart just randomly. And it is, Scorpio is the ninth house here of higher learning, of long distance travel, of belief systems of orthodox religions of um, journeys that have uh, a significant meaning okay and the Pisces risings of you out there are going to be experiencing some kind of new start and you're perhaps in in the way that you uh, think about your belief system and it may be having a connection with your family of origin which is the fourth house here which is Gemini and your partnerships, which is the seventh house of Virgo, okay? So you see we have these connections here because it's going to be providing from Scorpio to those houses. Now, in this particular chart, I'll give you even a little other bonus here, Pisces Risings. Mercury is, has a condition called an aversion to the fourth house, so there may be it may have difficulty providing for the family because it is, is on one of the other... Two signs opposite uh, on each side of the opposition, um, which is a blind spot. And the seventh house does have a sextile. So Mercury can witness the seventh house by sextile in this particular chart. So it will be able to provide for the relationship. So if I had to make a delineation here, and this is something if you want a personalized reading, you know, feel free to reach out. We can schedule something over Zoom, no matter where you are in the world. I would say to this client, Uh you may have a start in your um ninth house of belief systems of long distance travel, higher learning, and it may be uh beneficial for your partnership or you may have a partner that comes along that that helps you in that area of your life. Um, but it may put a strain on your on your family uh or on your relationship with your um maybe something's happening with your home. So like in this particular chart, uh, maybe the long distance travel makes some disruptions within the home like because that's where our foundations are this is our you know our residence where we feel stable um so oh there's some some interesting correlations there and you can do that with your own chart too this is something that you can practice with um but just just recognize that at about ten twenty two a.m that's when mercury is in the heart of the sun and there are different authors that uh, give different aspects with that. The uh, Hellenistic authors said when Mercury was within one degree of the sun, the medieval authors narrowed that to about 17 minutes, which is just a portion of a degree. But, But really pay attention Monday morning because there's going to be a new impulse that everybody's going to be feeling. And I want you just to make, take, take some notes about what happens on Monday morning because that's going to be the seed of the new mercurial karmic cycle that's going to be unfolding over the coming months. Okay, enough of that. Tuesday, the 11th. <laughs> it doesn't, get, doesn't slow down at all. Let's take, take a look here. On Tuesday, the 11th, um, a number of aspects... But the main one, the big one of the day, is the full moon. And you can see that the full moon is happening when the moon and the sun are in opposition. And that is happening at 19 degrees uh, of Scorpio and Taurus in the second, the very final stages of the second decans of both of those um, signs. And uh, earlier in the morning, there, the moon makes a sextile to retrograde Neptune. Um, it's going to be trining. Uh, Saturn and Capricorn and then making an opposition with Mercury retrograde so all of those things happen before the full moon perfects at 834 a.m. now this full moon is also trying Pluto so we've got a number of players in the game of this full moon here uh, first of all if we were to analyze this in a Hellenistic way we would say that both of these lights are going to be in aversion to their hosts. So you can see that that the sun here, uh, its host Mars, is in poor shape, in bad shape, in Libra still. Although it is coming into its own terms, it's not there yet. It doesn't have any real dignity. It's still in exile. So the moon, uh, I'm sorry, the sun is kind of weakened by having a weakened ruler, but has no line of communication to it as well whereas the Moon is also in aversion to its host, Venus. Now, its host is in a much better uh, position because it is in its own terms. Um, it is with the greater benefic, Jupiter. It's sitting at the table with with a benefic, which it likes. We're heading into this uh, Venus-Jupiter conjunction, which is gonna be a really nice moment. Um, I'll, I'll talk about that towards the end of the week here. It's not happening yet, but it'll happen towards the end of November. Um, if we had to analyze the condition though the moon definitely is in much better shape than the sun in this particular chart the moon is said to be in its exaltation a place of honor a place of being at the top of the wheel of fortune so something may be able to take form that may be a a, you know bring honors to you may feel the culmination of some kind of project or perhaps there was some desire that you had that is finally taking form um, finally getting reborn, like with Mercury here in the heart of the sun. You know, maybe there's some new start in that Mercurial area as well, uh, and it's going to be, um, you know, maybe bringing you a new sense of power too with this trine to Pluto. Um, it, it it could be um, some kind of very deeply felt new start that is you know, very structurally. Uh, regenerative. Um, Pluto has a, a an ability to regenerate things. So maybe we've been struggling with it, some areas of our life that have been sort of dysfunctional, um, where maybe there's been some corruption, and this this could be a new, you know, kind of a new start towards something uh, regenerative. Now, it's interesting. What, what I find interesting about this full moon is this is a there's a lot of competing themes going on. Um, this isn't like a very simple one. We've got the the newness of the new mercurial cycle, but we've got the culmination of a full moon. So that's kind of a strange dichotomy, isn't it, where we got this kind of new thing starting, but also something coming to fruition. Uh, Remember, the new moon that we were experiencing in Scorpio was on the 22nd of October. So we're going to be seeing kind of matters that began around the 22nd of October coming to a head and perhaps... Uh, seeing the light. Something is coming to light. Secrets may be coming to light. Things that were hidden coming to light. Things that we may have been hiding or working on behind the scenes finally coming out into to manifestation. And and they may not be necessarily bad. Um, this is the thing with, with the, the, the moon there. Now, it may be a little bit shocking or unexpected because we've got Uranus in the mix too with the moon. Um, we may think some of the things we may have been working on we may have been hiding them so well with all this scorpionic energy that when we finally reveal what we've been working on, some people in our life are like, holy crap, we had no idea you were even thinking of doing that. Um, so keep an eye out for that and try, try to maintain your equilibrium if you are experience anything like that, if something happens to you, or even if you're revealing something to someone else, like you know, with this exalted moon. You know, if you're experiencing a, a good shift or a fortunate shift, um, try to maintain your center and your humility around it too, because this is one of the dangers of an exalted moon is we can get a little high on our, on our hobby horse um, because we feel like, oh, we're, we're, we're getting to the top of the wheel here. And maybe the people that you're leaving behind in that kind of um, less than ideal circumstance um, they may feel you may feel a little bit of guilt, or there, there may be a little bit of envy, or something like that. And it's important to kind of stay grounded uh, if you're either making a move or experiencing someone else making that move. Um, either way, you have the opportunity to kind of maintain your center. Okay, so that's one thing to keep in mind. That's my practical advice for for the week. Is you know, enjoy the fruition of something, uh, or you know, try to be. Um, graceful or gracious when you're experiencing those changes, whether they're happening to you or you are the one initiating them. Okay. Um, what else? Another thing to keep in mind with this full moon is that we had a new moon in Taurus uh, at, on the 5th of May. So this may be a culmination of something that was initiated that about six months ago as well. So take a look at those dates as well. You can take a look at the 22nd for a, a smaller culmination, or you can take back a look back at the 5th of May for perhaps a greater cycle that's coming to fruition. And that may be uh, in, instructive as to what, what kind of things you're working through. All right, the other aspect that's happening on this day is Mars is making a sextile to Jupiter. So Mars is at 25 degrees of Libra in its exile, making a sextile to Jupiter at 25 degrees of Sagittarius. Um, Generally, when Mars makes a sextile to Jupiter, that would be something super positive. um, And it still may be. There may be something positive that is coming out of a difficult circumstance uh, with Mars being in its exile. Um, Generally, the connection of Jupiter with a positive aspect to anything is is good. but it, but it's not it's not as good as it would be if like it, would, it was from a, if both planets were in, in great shape, um, but this may be something that's helping Mars out a little bit by running into the bonification of of Jupiter in, in Sagittarius. Um, con- conversely, now, if there was a, a difficult aspect between Mars and Jupiter, Mars would be the one harming Jupiter, but since this is a nice aspect, it's probably going to be more about Jupiter kind of helping out mars a little bit so look at the two areas of your chart libra and sagittarius and see where there may be something positive coming out of maybe what you maybe something you've been experiencing really difficult uh difficultly with the mars libra area of your chart and it's going to be getting a little boost from that jupiter and sagittarius on this this full moon day um jupiter sextile mars was associated with heroic quests uh, with exuberant energy, fortunate actions—the actions we take on this day may may be better informed and, and lead to more prosperity than than they might otherwise if we didn't have this aspect. Um, it's it's really interesting. This is we may have some enthusiasm that we that it starts coming back into the mix with this with this aspect. Okay, so that's our full moon. Um, you know, we've got that. We've got this kind of very, um, if I were to show you another card here, we've got the six of pentacles coming into opposition with the six of cups. Okay. And the six of pentacles is like, shows someone uh, giving charity to the poor, right? This is like a got like someone who is in a position of wealth or power and you've got these people that are, you know, in need and the ability to distribute that wealth. Um, We've got similar theme uh, echoed in the six of cups where we've got the exchange of a cup with flowers into in it. Um, And we have, uh, you know, in the Six of, of Pentacles, there's almost like an uneven power dynamic, like one, one person is, is wealthy and able to distribute that wealth, where there may be a slightly more equal um, power dynamic in the Six of Cups. So interesting themes to, to think about there, but there may be something where you're, a partnership uh, finally is bearing some kind of fruit or some kind of joint effort uh, is, is is coming into form. So something to consider with that. All right, moving on to Wednesday. Oops. On Wednesday the 13th. Uh, On Wednesday the 13th, the moon is going to move into Gemini at 3.46 a.m. Still going to be in the full moon phase, but the moon is going to escape its bond or escape its 15 degree on either side of the opposition of the sun, at about 2.15 PM at six degrees Gemini. So in this chart, it hasn't quite escaped the bond yet, but that's when the, the, the moon is going to kind of regain a little bit of its oomph and be out of that weakened position of being under the bond. And the, the Hellenistic authors discussed um, the first aspect that the moon makes after being under the bond uh, can, can speak to some of the things we may experience. If it makes contact with a benefic first, there may be something really good that comes out of that. If it makes contact with a malefic like Saturn or Mars, there may be some more difficult circumstances. Now, the good news is, is the first aspect that's going to be made after the moon escapes its bond, the first traditional planet that it aspects is Venus. So it's going to be making an opposition to Venus in Sagittarius. Um, So there may be something kind of good that's happening uh, with the gemini and sagittarius ruled area of your chart after the moon escapes the bond um, that's happening on wednesday afternoon um, a couple other non-lunar aspects happen- happening on wednesday too retrograde mercury at 16 degrees is making a sextile with uh, saturn and capricorn um, it also later on in the day is going to be trining retrograde neptune at about 15 degrees And then the sun is going to be sextiling Pluto at about 21 degrees of Scorpio and Capricorn. So a number of trines and sextiles at the same time that the moon is escaping the bond. Okay, so Mercury sextile Saturn. uh, Generally, this aspect could enhance our, our mental focus, our ability to be disciplined with our thinking. We may have a little bit more pragmatism or well thought out communication. Now Mercury is still retrograde, which is a, a, a debilitating uh, condition for it. Um, but remember, we're letting go of the oars and we're kind of letting the stream of our life redirect us. Now, as the moon is, or I'm sorry, as Mercury is escaping that kazimi, it's still going to be um, weak. Okay, so remember, if we say Mercury is like a person taking to its sickbed as it comes into conjunction and then it's kind of gotten oh I don't know the medicine that it needs or some kind of treatment or rebirth and then it's like like somebody who is recovering from an illness and trying to walk again but those first little unsteady steps okay so it's not like you want to go run a marathon after you've been laid up with the flu you know uh, for two or three weeks right you want to kind of get your foot foot your feet underneath you and get your bearings first before you kind of start moving quickly again mercury is going to be uh you know gaining speed but it's still moving very slow and and very like you know cautiously so there may be some cautious uh mental discipline communications that are happening Um, the first seeds of that we're going to be seeing Um, with the sextile of the sun to pluto This again is going to increase our intensity, our drive, our um, could be an enthusiastic type of position. um, But it's also bringing light to some of the shadow things in our life. Uh, It's this may ignite some of our deepest um, either desires or shadow self, and it may be shining the light on those parts of ourself that maybe we remain hidden that are bubbling underneath the surface. Maybe it's lending solar fire okay (laughs) solar fire um is also an, an astrology program um but maybe it's lending its solar fire to uh the plutonic, you know lava and heating it up a little bit so we get a little bubbled we get excited we might be really starting things might starting to brew under that surface and in a positive way hopefully with the sextile because the sextiles were easier contacts um this may be also speaking to the, the renewal and the, the rejuvenating aspect that we're, of, of Pluto and of, you know, that we're seeing with Mercury kind of starting to come out of its sickness and regain some strength. Towards the end of the day at 5.34 p.m., Mercury retrograde is going to be making a trine to Neptune. So this is, this is a, a positive contact between these two planets, but it also definitely has the possibility – Um, for misunderstandings or confusion. I think the main challenge with this particular aspect is getting a little bit too idealistic with your thinking. Um, There's going to be, this is a very intuitive combination with these being in in water signs. Uh, This may be a lot of nonverbal communication type of thing that we're experiencing, a lot of dreaming. This is a really where our thoughts are really kind of really getting into the, uh, what, what could be the possibilities. And I think that it's also an enhanced uh, placement for intuition, I would, I would say too. Um, but just be careful that you don't get swept away uh, on the, the ocean, oceanic waves of, of the, the beautiful dream. Um, because you want to use some of that Saturnian pragmatism uh, uh, that you've experienced earlier in the day and uh, you know, keep keep one foot on the ground. you can dream a little bit, but keep keep one foot on the ground if you want to uh, use all of these transits they most they're most effective and most efficiently. Or you know the other thing this could be is maybe we just are having a little bit of mental fatigue after this pretty big beginning of the week. Um, I can't emphasize enough that the strategy for November there's a lot going on in November. It's a lot of big culminations and new starts uh, as well so. Um, maybe we're just, you know, it's time to kind of catch your breath and maybe relax a little bit. This would be actually a great aspect to take a salt bath or something in the evening and just kind of sit within your own sensory deprivation tank and, uh, you know, go into your mind a little bit or your 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 imagination a bit and try to re- recharge and regenerate before the next set of, you know, uh, manifestations comes about or or demands on your time or your resources, okay? All right, let's look at Thursday. Okay, Thursday the 14th. Thursday the 14th, we are still in a Gemini moon, um, but this day is has an interesting little thing going on called a mutable T-square. Uh, the moon, You can see here is at 15 degrees Gemini it's going to be making an opposition to Venus at 15 Sagittarius and both of those things are going to be squaring Neptune at 15 degrees Pisces and all of those signs or temples are mutable or double-bodied signs so what do we make of that well uh, this is a time of transition this is a time of change this is a time where there may be some competing interests in your life uh, in those areas of your of your chart where you may be feeling that there's many, many options. Then it's trying to parse out all of the different choices that are before you. Remember, we talked about the sun being in the third decade of Scorpio uh, being offered all these different possibilities, right? And we kind of have to, you know, to do any one of those uh, things most efficiently efficiently or effectively, we can't do everything. And uh, the moon at 15 degrees of Gemini, this is uh, ruled by the or the card that's associated with it is the nine of swords. And in it, you can see a figure that is kind of laying awake at night um, <laughs> and having kind of a nightmare, uh, maybe overwhelmed with all of the different possibilities and choices, or then maybe maybe you've started something new this week, and it's like just trying to get all the details straight is just creating a little bit of anxiety. Whereas Venus in 15 degrees Sagittarius was that nine of wands that we were seeing where you know we have some resolve to keep, keep fighting and to carry whatever burden we need to to, to hunt what we, our desires and what we, what we want. Um, and then Neptune at fifteen degrees of Pisces, we, uh, we have the nine of cups where we see a figure that is sitting with his arms crossed with the cups of satisfaction behind him and it seems like he is uh manifesting some sort of dream um and there's a a sense of fulfillment so this may be like we're trying to get to this neptunian uh dream this sense of fulfillment but we've got all these options and we are required to you know hunt all of these and take all these actions venusian actions and possibly harmonize uh and that, that that may be a little bit exhausting. This is the main thing that we're experiencing on Thursday: is that that, that sorry, the uh, mutable T square. Okay, um, it's important with this that you don't overly idealize uh, your relationships, um, your your vision, um, that you don't have kind of that rose-colored glasses type of experience. Um, this could be uh, a a time of overwhelm too. So what I would recommend, and this is something I've been learning through my own experience with feeling overwhelmed by the dream and my own, uh, needing to find my own center and patience with it. Uh, I've been reading a really awesome book that I would recommend to all of you. Um, it's called Conquer, Conquer the Pool. <laughs> I, know, I know it's funny because it's swimming related again, um, but it's an awesome book. And uh, I follow this guy named Cody Miller on, on Instagram and his, his YouTube channel. And he's really a, an awesome ambas- ambassador for the sport of swimming. He's super positive, a hard worker. Um, he makes swimming just look like the most fun thing in the world like all the grinding, difficult work that goes into it. He has such a positive attitude on that blog about it. It's just wonderful if you have a young person that's attempting to do something difficult. uh, His enthusiasm is really contagious. And he he recommended this book, and it's all about um, high-functioning mindset or high-performance mindset. And a lot of the techniques to become a high-level athlete are really um, applicable to any type of project or anything that you want to achieve and one of the things that they really talk about is having the vision having the goal having the you know not not lowering your expectations necessarily dreaming big but at the same time being able to hold the necessary daily steps and celebrating the daily victories and the daily goals that you want to achieve for that particular time set so it's kind of like how do you hold the the grand vision and the details all in your in your experience and in your mind almost simultaneously okay you don't always have to be focusing on the big picture you can have that in the back of your mind and have that as a goal that you may write down and plaster to your to your wall or something like that but you know choose two or three things that day to focus on and say what are the next two steps that i need to take to achieve this and that may help you to feel less of the overwhelm of the grandiosity of what you're trying to do. I know in, in our particular case, you know, I've swung from everything as a swim parent, from dreaming about having a, a, a child in the Olympic Games to like, well, how do you focus on your flip turn today in practice? You know, it's, it's, it's going back and forth between those two things and learning about patience, about. Um, the necessity of, of seeing the gradual progress. I, I think my, my daughter in particular has been an awesome teacher for me because I tended to um, want, want to see progress uh, quickly. And when I was doing things as, a, as an athlete and as a musician and as in anything, what I would do is I would get very obsessed with what I was doing and I would dive into it. Headlong, and I would just—I couldn't think about anything else, uh, and I would—I would obsess over it. I had a little bit of an obsessive mindset when it came to learning things. I loved learning stuff. When I decided to study Hellenistic astrology, um, I I received a book from uh, uh, Demetra George, "Astrology and the Authentic Self," um, and that just set off me listening to podcasts from like Chris Brennan and Adam Ellenboss and. Uh, Adam Summer and all these these really great astrology folks um, and reading multiple hours a day and getting a library of like a million books and going to conferences. And it was all I could think about for a, a long period of time. And I tend to be the type of person that will just dive in and try to completely immerse myself in that until I learn it. And then I go to the next thing. And this has been a really instructive experience being a parent of a child who is not like that, of a child who takes things, one, very, things very measuredly, one step at a time, uh, will not be rushed. And it's a good thing, too, because it's, this is where we learn our greatest, um, our greatest lessons, I think, are through our children. And I've, at every step of the way, when I get super excited about something, she, she's almost the calm voice of reason. And it's like she's kind of starting to gain some of my enthusiasm about things. And I'm hopefully learning from her, her patience and perseverance and willingness to do the hard necessary work to make that dream a reality. And when you combine those two things, you will become a champion and you will add whatever you do. And I think that um, it's just a really neat thing to experience. I'm really grateful for it. I'm really grateful for the learning experiences. The last few months have been a little difficult. I've experienced some humbling things as a parent and as, uh, you know, maybe even overstepping a few of my own uh, limits and, and getting a, a, a nice little course correction <laughs> from the universe. And maybe you all have experienced that too in various areas of your life. Uh, if you tend to rush into things, um, and you just have to embrace it. You just have to embrace it and learn from it. And I think that that's really how to navigate this mutable T-square is trying not to get too overwhelmed with your passion, your enthusiasm, and all the options, and realize that whatever you're shooting for, you're just gonna have to take the necessary daily steps to make it a reality and to manifest it into, into form. Um, and you can do it. You can do it with, the, with this, a good support system, with a good inner fire, with a good uh, ability to, to take the time to recognize your little victories along the way too. Um, just an update on her swimming. She had a, 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 um <laughs> a conference meet or division meet at the end of her high school, and she, she won all of her uh, individual heats, um, her individual events, and won one of her relay events too. Uh, she didn't win the overall thing. She didn't get first in the, the whole thing, but she won her race. And that's a big, big step up from what she was doing even a year ago. And she looks a thousand times better. And that was a lot of hard work that went into that. I'm super proud of what she's been doing. And like I said, hopefully by me sharing some of those victories, uh, those little victories, hopefully that's inspiring to you. To, to celebrate the small steps along the way um, because I don't think we do that enough. I think we, we, all we see is the big goal and we don't take the time to celebrate all the, the small victories along the way. And I think that we would feel more motivated to keep going if we did that. Uh, another thing that this book really speaks about is motivation to start something or motivation, you don't just start something when you feel motivated. You don't just do something when you feel motivated. You know, starting something brings motivation. Uh, and I, think, I thought that was such a wonderful thing to think about was if you can find the, the perseverance to start something, once you get rolling, you'll feel more motivated as you go along and as you do it because you'll see some of the results of that starting. So that's my, that's my other um, little tip from that, that book, Conquer the Pool. Um, I believe you can get it online. I don't remember the author, but he's, he was a high-level swimmer, and he's a motivational speaker, and just really, really well done. All right, more astrology. Friday, 11, 15. The, we have, those are our main non-lunar aspects, so we'll just speed through the lunar aspects for the rest of the week. Moon's going to be moving into Cancer on Friday. Gaining dignity by domicile and by triplicity. Excuse me. This is the last day of our full moon, 45 degree full moon phase. On Friday, we're going to see an opposition of the moon to Jupiter very early in the morning at 26 degrees, Gemini and Sagittarius. It's then going to trine Mars at 640, um, still in Libra. And then the moon's going to be sextiling retrograde Uranus at three degrees, Cancer and Taurus. Uh, So you know, a little bit, maybe, maybe these days are going to be into the weekend, we're going to be having a little bit less of the the big kind of aspects, the more longer term aspects. And we're just going to kind of be seeing how these things are going to be playing out when we may be reflecting on how we're going to what our next moves are going to be. Um, Saturday the 16th, we're going to begin our crescent phase of the moon cycle, where uh, we're going to be trying to mobilize the resources. I'm sorry. No, that is not correct. Sorry, my notes are incorrect. I got Mercury retrograded. This is actually the disseminating phase. The crescent phase is the lead up to the full moon. No. (laughs) Sorry. The crescent phase is the phase right after the new moon where you are mobilizing resources to the new impulse that's happening. The disseminating phase is the phase directly after the full moon where we are taking the realizations that we have gotten from the feedback that we get from the full moon and we are putting it into action we are sharing it we're sharing what we've learned we are taking action out in the world we're spreading the seeds like johnny Appleseed, of whatever fruit that we discovered at the full moon okay so this is like we're finally able to eat the the ripened fruit uh that that we've you know planted as a little seed at the new moon uh, if you were wondering, the, the phase right before the full moon is called the gibbous, the waxing gibbous phase. Okay, cleared that up. Uh, the moon will be making a trine to retrograde Mercury uh, around 11.08 a.m. at 13 degrees of Cancer and Scorpio. Uh, it will be trining retrograde Neptune at 15 degrees uh, in the afternoon and then making an opposition to Saturn at 5 o'clock. So really the difficult one there is the, the opposition to Saturn. Um, yes, you may have to be. It may. This may bring about something where you're reviewing something that you started when Mercury was direct at around 15 degrees or so, or 13 degrees. Sorry, um, something may have to be redone around that period of time. Um, but you know, it's trying. So it maybe you catch something, you catch a detail, and you finally are starting to unravel it a little bit. With the opposition of Saturn, there may feel like there's some kind of blockage again, that we have to work out some kind of negotiation, perhaps, between your domestic life and, and whatever you're trying to do out in the world uh, of structure and form. Um, you know, this, this could be a, maybe you have a new project you've initiated, but you, um, you know, you got to make a negotiation with the family before you go out and do more things out in the world. And that, those can be tough conversations sometimes. You may come across the limitations that you have. Uh, on Sunday the 17th, the moon is gonna move into Leo later in the day, around five o'clock or so, losing some of that, that domicile dignity. Um, and then we're gonna have the moon's opposition to Pluto at 21 degrees. So if I see it my chart here, um, here's our opposition here with Saturn on Saturday and making the trine to Neptune, okay? And the trine to retrograde Mercury. It's, like a, it's almost like a grand water trine happening between um, the moon, Mercury, and Neptune. So that might be an interesting an interesting day. Um, and then the uh, on Sunday here, here's that opposition with Pluto at 21 degrees or so. Uh, it's already past it in this chart, but you get the idea very early in the morning. So it may be, you know, some of the limitations we come across may be bringing up some sort of power dynamic or power challenge to whenever we have a lunar opposition with Pluto, it's bringing up some stuff from, from the depths to be dealt with and, and to be processed. It's a, it's a nice processing aspect. I don't know if it's nice necessarily. Oppositions are of the nature of Saturn. So it may be necessary. There may be some necessary processing of things that we have uh, maybe become corrupted or need, need to be reborn and redone or re- regenerated. And um, that you know unplugging of something that's been kind of stuck or corrupted uh towards the in the morning we'll have the trine between the moon and the sun at twenty four degrees of cancer and, and scorpio uh and then we have a a couple of challenging squares towards the end of the day with the moon squaring um Mars at the very last degree of libra um three fourteen in the afternoon so <laughs> it's the last gasp of Mars in exile some some last crappy thing <laughs> that that we have to deal with before Mars gains some dignity in, into Scorpio. Um, so watch out for that. And then, you know, later on in the evening, um, the moon will be making a square from Leo to uh, Uranus retrograde in Taurus. So again, try not to get too stubborn or fixed in your position. If there's some kind of conflict that comes up that last gasp conflict between the Libra and, and uh, cancer ruled areas of your chart. OK, got it. <laughs> All right. All right, looking ahead for the 18th to the 24th, we're going to have a first quarter moon on the 19th. Uh, Mars is going to be ingressing into its home domicile of Scorpio. Yay, 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 yay. Uh, for some of you, that'll be really good. Um, <laughs> I think for everybody, it'll be just a, a more effective Mars in general. I'm celebrating because Mars is my perfected time Lord of the year which means that it is kind of a very important planet um, for me and for anybody who is uh, in a Scorpio or Aries perfection year, which was a Hellenistic technique that talked about one, one house of the chart being activated for a particular year. So when your perfected Time Lord gains dignity and goes out of its exile, it's probably a, a pretty good thing. So that's why I, I'm having a little mini celebration there. Um, you know mars is still malefic though so it doesn't there could be some severing or cutting type of qualities that still happen it, it may still be a little bit of a spicy spicy boy um, but uh it may be working much much more directly it's going to be l- a lot less like passive aggressive and and you might be m- more able to stick up for the things that you really want and pursue the things that you want more directly Um, and defend the things that you want without having to go through all these like back channels and backbiting and stuff like that. So a much better Mars in the sky. Um, Mercury is going to be stationing direct on the 20th next week uh, at 11 degrees of Scorpio. So we'll be unraveling some of the retrograde things there. Uh, The sun is going to be ingressing into the sign of Sagittarius sitting at the table with Jupiter and Venus. That'll be nice, too. That'll be a nice little boost uh, before Thanksgiving. I personally love Thanksgiving, like eating. Um, My lady is a wonderful chef. So I'm looking forward to, uh, we we like to smoke a duck for Thanksgiving. Um, Kind of not traditional, but super tasty. Um, Anyway, and then uh, we're gonna be seeing the conjunction of Venus and Jupiter on the 24th, which is a very nice aspect. that is going to be balanced out by the challenging aspect of Mars opposite Uranus. So <laughs> like that. it's going to be something really great and something really like, whoa, that's crazy <laughs> happening on the same day. Um, so I'll talk about that more next week though. But if you are enjoying these videos, make sure that you give a like down there that really helps the visibility on YouTube, share it with your friends. Um, if you want to support further episodes of the, of the blog, the video blog here. I have a page not I don't have a Patreon account yet. I should start one. But I have a, a Venmo that you can make a donation or a PayPal me. That's much appreciated. Put a lot of time and effort into these videos. So, if you like what you hear, um, you know, a couple bucks goes a long way. Just tells me that you that you care. Uh, but anyway, uh I hope you all are having a good week and that you are having a good full moon and Mercury Cazimi week and we will see you the next time. Take care, everyone. Bye.